Welcome to the Lightly Salted Podcast. These are the readings and sermons of St. John's Lutheran Church of Park Rapids, Minnesota. They are offered so that the Word of God would shape and strengthen you to be what He calls you to be, salt and light. You can find us at stjohnspr.org. Now, on to the Word. The Old Testament reading for the 21st Sunday after Pentecost is from Isaiah chapter 45. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped, to subdue nations before him and to loose the belt of kings, to open doors before him that gates may not be closed. I will go before you and level the exalted places. I'll break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I'll give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes in secret places that you may know it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by your name for the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen. I call you by your name. I name you, though you do not know me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west, And that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and the Lord. And for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to await for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel, according to St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. To you, O Lord. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle Jesus in his talk. And they sent the disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully. And you do not care about anyone's opinion. 
for you're not swayed by appearances. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the thing that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And when they heard it, they marveled. And they left him and went away. This is the Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated as we continue with the sermon hymn. Grace, peace, and mercy be unto you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, what comes to mind when you hear the phrase, giving back? Now, for some, this might mean giving a portion of your income to the church, placing in the offering plate. Now, others might take this to mean giving up their, donating their time, their talent, their skills for the church, helping family members, or even helping maintain the community in which they live. You know, I got to see that last part especially during my last years of middle school, my first couple years of high school, during the years we had really bad flooding in the valley. You know, people would come from all over, and you would get to meet them. You either were sandbagging, filling sandbags, or even help making food for our volunteers. And if you talk to any of them, you ask them, why are you doing this? I wanted to give back. And you can fill in the answer with whatever situation that pertained to. You know, giving back is nothing new. But there's a huge difference between giving back because you have to and giving back because you get to. Now, much like when we were kids. Now, you took something from someone or you took a toy from your older brother. You had to give it back or face the consequences of a timeout. I think there's still a little uh, black dent where my head used to be on the wall as a kid. But, you know, you had to give it back. But whatever you and I give, we give out of thanks. And we do it is done with joy and with great gratitude. Now, I say that, who wants to hear that you have to give a portion of your income in taxes? Yes, taxes. Taxes are much part of our lives, just as they were for those who have lived long before us. Who lived, especially in the Roman Empire or any kingdom, or any place, for that matter, who had a ruler over them. Now, people have known this to be the case. Especially when, you have, whenever you reach for, for coins in your pocket if you carry them, or cash, if you carry cash still. And it's interesting. Because you're giving back something that you've been allowed to have. And it's the same with the emperor in Rome. You give back because it had his face on his coin. Does it work that way here in the United States? Our currency only has the face of dead previous U.S. presidents and two founding fathers. And see, all Americans are reminded of who money this actually is and who it actually belongs to the federal government of the United States of America. And just as this money belonged to them, 
and so too do all the denarii belong to every single emperor that ruled over the Roman Empire? It's the same. And this was a problem for many of the Jews living under Roman rule ever since the 2nd century B.C., before Christ. Even Christ, during his lifetime, was faced with paying taxes just the same. See, as we head towards the end of the church here, our time will be spent listening to Christ as he's teaching in Jerusalem and during his last days of his earthly ministry. And you might have guessed our attention will be focused on how Christ responds to those who wish him harm and wish to trap him in words of malice and deceit. And see, while Jesus is teaching parables to the crowd, the ones who <clears throat> now the ones who are supposed to lead and guide aren't doing this. See, the Pharisees are off in the background and they're plotting. They're plotting to seek down the downfall of Jesus. See, not only have they tried this many times before, but now, now they're working with the Herodians. Herodians were Jews who favored Roman rule. They had no problem paying taxes to Rome, and they enjoyed Herod's rule as much as he was allowed to do. But in the eyes of the Pharisees and many other Jews, they're just about as bad as tax collectors. But yet here they are, working. Working with the disciples of the Pharisees, doing what they can to get rid of Jesus, thus living up to the common phrase, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So how does one go about destroying the reputation of one, famous amongst the people? Well, easy. Find any means to catch them in a scandal, anything to ruin their image with the people. And in this case, they get their political views on paying taxes to Rome. Thus, these zealous fools thought they would pull one over on Jesus. I mean, just listen to them. Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully. And you do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then, what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render the Caesar the thing that are Caesar's, and you God the things that are God's. Well, I guess, I guess that settles it. You know, leave it to Jesus to turn what others mean for harm, and to use it to teach about living rightly before the, as the people of God. And the answer that Jesus gives to these men, it's not out of character for him. It's not like he would strike, it would, like, it would strike any of us as odd. But to these men, to these disciples of the Pharisees and the Herodians alike, it stopped them in their tracks. And they marveled at what he had to say. See, what Jesus did was point out something that was already known. Even it was typically ignored. In the short answer that he gave, he pointed these men back to the Ten Commandments. And if you're able to pay attention to which ones are spoken here, you hear that it's the fourth and the first. Yes, the fourth is thou shalt honor thy mother and thy father. But if we turn our attention 
to Luther's explanation of the large catechism. He makes it clear that civil authorities should be respected just as much as our parents should be as well. And listen to what he writes. Through civil rulers, as through our own parents, God gives us food, house, and home, protection and security, and he preserves us through them. You know, to have to be told that you have to pay taxes is not fun. It's not fun for you or fun for me. Nor was it delight to any of the Pharisees. And for that matter, for the rest of the Jewish population. But God expects it all the same. And this should never have been a problem for the people of God. It shouldn't have been a problem in the first place. It has long been established that the people of God live differently. Different from those who do not know God. Different from those who frown upon civil authorities whom God has placed over them. We live differently by being faithful citizens to the state just as we live faithfully to our God. And this is not new. See, in the first commandment, everything is laid out. Everything is made known. That's where the buck stops. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. In this commandment, this, this is it. Not only do the people of God look nowhere else to place their lives, their trust, their faith, their hope. They are to give to God what he has owed. Praise, adoration, songs exalting his name above all else. And this shouldn't be a problem. But no one's perfect. Not even the Pharisees or the Herodians who believe themselves better than the rest of the people. But as the Apostle Paul reminds us, all have fallen short of the glory of God. And when you lose sight of the first commandment, everything else just falls out of place. Thus what we find with the Herodians and the Pharisees are two groups who are both lost sight of living rightly before the Lord. Rather than encouraging the people to live as they should, and see their taxes as part of godly living, they confused it with hatred. Yes, outside the Herodians, no one liked dealing with the Romans, not in any way, shape, or form. And no one liked working with any tax collectors who made sure that Rome got the coin that it was deserved. But to have this view skewed meant that both groups lost sight of the importance of the first commandment and subsequently the fourth. And we see this in the response that Jesus gives. And the response that he gives to them is like a teacher scolding, scolding a hooligan, a child who thought himself wise but proved himself a fool. And rightly so. Matthew records how foolish they were. But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Now it's easy for others to think that Jesus expressed hate to these men. I mean, that's a common emotional response when you consider someone who has nothing but malice, evil intentions for you. But as I, as I have already said, he scolds them like a teacher. A major role that Jesus filled during, during his earthly ministry was guiding and teaching the lost children of the house of Israel. Teachers, shepherds, were given to Israel for centuries. 
And they've been sent there time and time again to guide the people, to teach them living rightly before the Lord as the Lord has commanded and encourage them to live. But what ended up happening is that they changed that. They became skewed. They lost sight of what God intended. Thus, these Pharisees sent their disciples and those, the master of the Herodians, sent these men on a fool's errand. But yet what Jesus does is correct them. And by so doing, turns them away from their own destruction, one that they were taught to believe. Turn from the lies and the seed that they thought were truth. And he makes it plain as day. Therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Yes, give to Caesar, your king, or whomever leader is of your nation. Give them what they are owed. And give to God what he is owed just the same. Our praise, our song, our devotion, our worship. Jesus redirects their energy and their intent, not into malice and deceit, but to a greater understanding of their God and following what he has commanded. What has first been handed down thousands of years ago prior in the Garden of Eden, which was clarified again on two tablets given to Moses on what Christ now points them to just the same. So what does this have to do with you or I? It seems clear from what Matthew has recorded that Jesus was speaking directly to these men, dealing directly with what they are doing. And not so much with those who would come later, such as the readers of his gospel and us. But that's not the case. See, at the beginning of the sermon, I asked you, what comes to mind when you hear the phrase, giving back? And that definition could be anything. And everybody has a different understanding of what that looks like and how that's done. But not with Christ. See, Christ reminds you and I, just as these men, that the definition is not based upon our own understanding, our own wisdom. It is based and established upon what God has put forth and upheld through His Son here in the text. A definition that has long been taught throughout Scripture. So is it lawful to pay taxes? Yes. Is it faithful to give thanks, praise, worship, prayer? Yes. There's no denying of any of this. Yes, some want to change this understanding. But for you and I, this should not be a problem. It's not an issue. See, our God has given us everything. He has given everything for you and for me and for all of His creation. He has given breath in our lungs. He created you and me, knitted us together in our mother's womb as the psalmist loves to write. He has given His Word to teach and to guide. He gave us His Son to die in our place. Our God has given everything. So let us give back with joyful hearts. Let us exalt His name above all else. Let us sing praise unto our God, giving Him the worship <coughs> and adoration that He deserves. Let us give. For by dose, by dose, by so doing, we live faithfully as God has called us to live. And so I leave you with this. A portion from our Psalms that we did not read about today, but is set up for this Sunday. From Psalm 96. 
Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the people. So let us give with joy. Always. Amen. Thanks for listening to Lightly Salted. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at stjohnspr.org or look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Our thanks to Eric Medeish at soundimage.org for Morning Jew. God's blessings.